0: Boys, Binge Boys! Binge Boys! Binge Boys! Binge Boys! Binge Boys! How they, binge Boys! Binge Boys! Binge in the fuck out of shit! You're listening to Binge Boys, but you probably know that already, and uh, maybe you already know that this is the only show talking about programs that air on the screens in your home don't fact check that i'm sitting across via zoom uh from uh my bearded pal lon harris and his little dog taco lon what is up
1: Uh, i feel like this gets this gets longer every time every time the the intro is more information about what what binge boys as we learn what binge boys is you, the audience, learn. I mean,
0: it's it's an amorphous, e- evolving, emerging. There's
1: a lot thing. going on. It's real. I thought it was just two guys talking about what shows they watched. But it's so much more now. Yes. And yet also exactly that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just
0: adding words <laughs> every every time. If you go back and follow the portrayal of breadcrumbs back via our podcasts, there is one word added each yeah.
1: episode. Uh, a lot of people, when they pitch... Networks on podcasts will go in with a concept. And Al and I were like, what if we went about this a different way? What if we were just like, We'd like to talk, give us a show. And they we're like, what are you gonna talk about? And we were like, oh TV? Like whatever. I guess I guess we watch things.
0: And then the president of the internet gave us a blank
1: check. This is what happens when you walk in, you're like, we call our fans Owl Nation. Why? No reason. And so what do you hoot, want to talk hoot, about? Hoot hoot. Not owls. O- other things.
0: Lon, I appreciate you uh, mentioning Owl Nation first. Sounds like you're really coming around.
1: No, that's exactly the opposite <laughs> of what I
0: am. Uh, where all my gehooligans at, uh, Owl Nation, what does it mean to be a member of Owl Nation? Uh, nothing and everything. It's whatever you want it to be. There's a little owl that nests in all of our hearts. Lon, uh, any, an- anything going on with you that you want to mention?
1: No, not really. Uh I recorded a uh Schmodown match today. I cannot reveal what happened or who it was against, but uh it it was recorded. I can tell you that. Um
0: throw me a softball. Ask me a softball question here.
1: Uh let's see. Well, I'm I'm also I'm I'm writing a bunch of uh I'm writing a bunch of Marvel questions for a different project, so I'll throw you one of those. Oh, okay. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe film Captain America: Civil War, yes. Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, is accused of setting off a bomb at a U.N. conference in Vienna. What European city is he actually in when the bomb goes off? Ooh, good question. Is he in Paris? He is not in Paris. He is in Bucharest now. Oh, damn it. You may remember a famous scene of him purchasing some plums from a street vendor.
0: Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's the uh, that's the bomb that uh, killed the uh, father of uh, the uh, Black Panther. T'Chaka. Uh, T'Chaka yeah.
1: would be T'Challa is the Black Panther. T'Chaka's his father.
0: Yeah. Um, R.I.P. T'Chaka. Yeah.
1: Sad. Man, sad day.
0: Didn't think I was going to cry uh, during this <laughs> podcast, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's tugging at my heartstrings with uh, the death of the Black Panther's father, who visited him in, in a dream, in Black Panther. Uh, uh, the ancestral tree.
1: Yes, right. Yes, he's 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 there in the whatever the the afterlife, the sleeping lands or whatever.
0: Yes, the sleeping lands. Uh, that's we'll not call it for it. now.
1: That's not what it's uh,
0: called. Bro. Yeah, he was in the slinking the sleeping lands with uh with, with the with the sand You know, with the, with Sandman and Lincoln Blinkin and Nod.
1: Yeah, the the realm you go to when you're dead. You know. Oh yeah the um the snooze zone. Yeah, this is, <laughs> exactly.
0: Lon, you are always a fountain of information. Not this
1: time, because I don't remember what that's called when you die in Black Panther.
0: Please tweet at us.
1: No, don't do that. I don't
0: want to hear about Fill on it. Fill Lon in on some of the uh blind spots of his Marvel knowledge here. And let's check out some streaming news. Did it 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 this just in. What do you think of that as like I do that as a sound effect. <laughs> just
1: every you. Time. It's just in. We do it live every time. We don't. We don't make a a, a, a bit for this. We just do it. Did live. it?
0: Did it? Yeah. No drop.
1: Did it? You know. And it's. I like what I like about it is that it's so relevant to refer because that's how news interrupts programming, just like on the radio.
0: Greetings, Mister <laughs> yeah. and Missus America. Yeah,
1: it's it's always just like newsreel voice. That's how it works.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lon, what do you got for us in the world of streaming news?
1: Uh, let's see. So, of course, big big news, this was not streaming. That's what that's what I think is interesting about it. Oprah's big interview this week with Prince Harry and Meghan, it did not it was it was streaming live if you have Paramount Plus, you can watch CBS live. So, you could mm-hmm. stream it while it was on, but it's not going to live on on any streaming platform. It is CBS content that was designed for airing on TV. They're going to re-air it next week. Um, A one-off. It it was a one-off. That Oprah designed it that way on purpose. She has ongoing deals with a bunch of streaming platforms. Could have gone to Apple. Could have gone to Discovery Plus, where she already does an interview show. But she said no. She wanted this to have a broad audience. She wanted it to have a air of seriousness and import. So she chose Primetime, Sunday night, CBS, that's where it's going to live. Uh, and she earned how, do you want to take a guess how much Oprah got paid for this interview? I feel interview? like I might have
0: heard, I think, I feel like I might have, is it $8 million? It was $7, million but you're $7 million. $7 million. So Lon, did you watch this interview?
1: Uh, you know, bits and pieces. The two hours is a lot. If I, if I watch this full interview, that would be like doubling the lifetime amount of time I've spent thinking about the British royal family. And I just wasn't, I wasn't ready to go down that road.
0: But um, You are the polar opposite of my mother, who loves
1: the royals. I'm, yeah, I'm fascinated by this thing. Like, Americans who love the British royal family is so weird to me.
0: Oh, when I was in London a few years ago, I got my mother a cup with, uh, I think, Kate Middleton or something on it. And, and she has it, like, on display. Because
1: it's not a niche thing. It's not just your mom. Like, millions of Americans... Love the Queen and and the crown and are just fascinated by this stuff. Oh, the, the um everyone was watching the weddings, all of
0: the royal weddings, and commenting on um Lon. Let me here's a bit of royal trivia for you that I learned by watching. Uh, do you know what a fascinator is?
1: Oh, I'm not gonna know this.
0: A fascinator is one of these uh one of these big hats with some plumage on it, a real attention grabbing peacocking ah, type, an
1: eye grabbing piece of headwear. Yeah.
0: Yes. Is
1: that yes, royal absolutely. trivia or is that
0: hat trivia? Well, I learned about it and I feel like many of us learned about it from, from watching from royalty. I, the royal weddings.
1: I yeah. went uh I was in London many many years ago, now probably about ten years ago. And uh my my girlfriend at the time and I did go to Buckingham Palace because you you know, you watch the changing of the guard. And I think that you don't as an American, you don't really appreciate how fucking bananas the fact that all this still exists until you go see it like you go watch it. You're at in like you're in front of a castle and there's a big gate and there are dudes in crazy, goofy uniforms and they're doing the like Wizard of Oz, like OB, well, like they're marching in squares around each other. And it's super formal. And like the horses have costumes on and it's impossible <laughs> not to stand there with these gold statues in front of this castle. And you're in London. I mean, you're like a five minute walk through a park from just London, just central London, a modern big city. And you're watching this like medieval costumery. And it's just like, what what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like, what, what the fuck is wrong with you people?
0: They, they don't have the same pomp and cir- circumstance when uh, the guards change shift. Uh, outside of the parking lot of a Best Buy.
1: Yeah, it's like, in America, we really don't, we don't have, the, like, we've got a lot of our own the dumb... The changing of
0: the security guard. We've
1: got dumb traditions and shit. Like, I'm not, not denying that. Like, we're we're just as stupid, if not stupider. Probably stupider. Yeah, uh, the electoral college. Right, there's lots of dumb, but I just mean, like, if you go to, like, the Liberty Bell today or Independence Hall or something, like, it's there. We leave the building there, and there's, like, a plaque that's like, on this spot, Thomas Jefferson did. But there's not, like, people around in, like, powdered wigs still doing it. Like,
0: Yeah, their barristers wear <laughs> powdered wigs. Yeah,
1: like, right. It's just like, no, we, well, I mean, we, like, stopped doing that and, like, got laptops for everybody and they wear suits now. And, like, in England, they're like, no, no, no. Like, keep this shit alive from the 14th century. We got Judge Judy and shit over here. Yeah, it's, it's just, like, over there, They're still, like, how are you going to have a courtroom if there's not a man by the door holding like a long stick with like a crazy pike at the top of it, and he's got like a and he's got like a top hat with like a bunch of poofs coming out in a bunch of different directions? A beef eater, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's exact. Thank you.
0: Oh, Lon, uh, I, I wanted to say I, I did watch the Meghan and Harry. You watched the whole two I... hours.
1: You watched the full thing,
0: give or take uh, my. Uh, you know, my, my wife wanted to watch it, so uh, I, I'm of two minds of this. I think the, the probably really got it from the traditionalists of this royal family who said some like awful stuff, and the and the tabloids treated Meghan uh, like a uh, j- just like such an, an outsider, and uh, you know raked her over the coals, and it sounded pretty awful. But then on the other hand, <laughs> Meghan Markle said stuff like you know what, now that we're away, we can be our authentic selves. And it's like your authentic self is someone who lives on a 15, in a $14 million sprawling estate. Like, that is one's...
1: I mean, it is, Kyle. Like, she was on suits before she was a royal. I'm sure she was already doing well. Like, that kind of is her natural state. You thought they were going to move into, like, what, uh, like a like a crummy apartment in Astoria, Queens or
0: something? No, but I feel like it's there's just a little bit of a... Listen, I I, I think that she really was put through the ringer emotionally and uh, psychologically by the tabloids, by the establishment that is the royal family, um, a.k.a. the firm that she called it. (laughs) Every time I hear
1: that, every time anybody refers to it as the firm, I just picture like Tom Cruise representing the queen. Like, oh, you got a brash Southern lawyer, John Grisham style, I understand. So, yeah, I I do sympathize with her, absolutely. How could you not? To me, this story feels like she's saying incredibly relatable, reasonable things, and then British people are losing their minds about it. Like, she'll be like, you know what? I was really depressed, and I asked my new family for help, Uh, and they did not give me help so I was like we should get out of here and I'm like that makes total sense and then Piers Morgan will be like how dare you you trollop and I'm like I don't it's a disconnect to me because she's just like I totally like this sounds reasonable to me like oh totally people are surprised that the British royal family is racist like it's not that long ago they tried to like own the world like you guys remember that like there are people alive today who remember when england just was went over to india and was like that's ours now like you can't you don't do that unless you're like kind of racist
0: yeah colonialist much yeah but it's
1: it's just like yeah, yeah i mean uh, queen elizabeth ii like come on we we're, we're expected her to be like super progressive right
0: Uh, Absolutely. Listen, you're right. And uh, and the fact that, you know, Harry was saying that uh, his his dad, Prince Chuck, won't won't return his calls. I mean, weird.
1: Those eagle eyed, uh, attentive viewers will remember in The Vow, Prince Charles also did not return Catherine Oxenberg's phone calls. This is a tough (laughs) guy to get on the phone. This is a guy who's not he's not good about returning messages.
0: No, especially when someone is going through some kind of dire circumstance.
1: I'm just saying, hit up Chuck Windsor on his two way, but he, he may not holler back at you.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I feel like you know th- they had a, a nice landing in up in Montecito.
1: They're gonna be fine. They got a Netflix deal going. They got a Spotify deal going. They're gonna they're gonna make content. They're gonna live the dream and make content just like. Uh... Just like Hal Rudnick and Lon Harris, you know, like there you go, following in our footsteps, the, the the Duke and Duchess of Sussex.
0: What we're trying to get to here is
1: Meg, Harry, hit us up. I would love to have them on Binge Boys. We could talk Suits. I will, I, I will go back and watch Suits. Oh, I'll go back and
0: watch The Crown. They said uh, during the interview that they've watched a little bit of The Crown, and of course uh, you'd did- go,
1: come on. If you knew those people in real life, you're not going to watch the TV show. How if they made a TV show about you? I, I'm going to watch that show. I'm going to be like, oh, I got to sure. see. I got to see what they do with this here. Open invitation
0: for Meg and Harry to come on for a little Crown talk. Yeah,
1: I'm going to be like, I think Timothy Chalamet is a weird choice to play Hal Rudnick, but I'm in. I'm going to watch and I'm going to see what I think.
0: I mean, um, some say. Uh, I mean, the the main critique is not hairy enough.
1: Yeah, I think, but the, you know, CG, you add that, you add that in post. Make a, yeah, add it you in make post. make a more hirsute. suit. Yeah,
0: uh, the, the same way they de-aged De Niro, they'll fur up Chalamet. He'll be a little otter in no time.
1: <laughs> fur him up. That's like, that's like Scorsese behind the camera during The Irishman. He's like, ah, it's not perfect. Fur him up, fur him up. Fur him up, fur him up. We need more fur. All right, let's move on. Uh, uh, the Snyder Cut, we can't stop talking about it. We're obsessed. You're a, you're a, you're a Zach Stan. Uh, the the (laughs) Snyder Cut, it briefly debuted, but just as a glitch, HBO Max, if you went up for like a little sliver of the afternoon, I believe on Monday, uh, an hour of the Snyder Cut would start to play instead of Tom and Jerry. There were people who tried to watch Tom and Jerry. They hit play. Instead, they got the first hour of the Snyder Cut, but that was it. And if you refresh the page, you would go back to Tom and Jerry. So it was a very limited group of people who got to see it. Some screenshots did leak out on the internet, but Warner Brothers was pretty careful about cleaning that up. So Mm -hmm. not a ton of spoilers have resulted. Of course, it's all fixed now. Uh, The Snyder Cut comes out on the 18th.
0: You know what Tom and Jerry and the Snyder Cut have in common? Oh, I can't wait. Weird-looking animation interacting
1: with uh,
0: actual humans.
1: Oh, yeah. That's true. Actually, I thought, we, we talked about this, like, Tom and Jerry's, it was better than I thought in terms of the combination of animation and live action.
0: Possibly better than the Snyder Cut. <laughs> will,
1: time, only time will tell.
0: Better than the non-Snyder uh, Cut. I'm talking Steppenwolf. Yeah,
1: fewer things covered entirely in spikes in Tom and Jerry.
0: Yes, sure, spikes, right? razor blades. It looks like razor wire. There are still spikes, but it's
1: it's less spike.
0: So, yeah, I wonder if there are people, because, you know, uh, supposedly Batman- Ben Affleck's Batman drops the f bomb. He's like, uh, it, like "The uh, oh Steppenwolf is a fucking
1: cock fuck
0: or wow, something that's like that." Intense. Right?
1: That's gritty. That is that is dark.
0: I mean, I don't know what the exact. That's just my estimation. If
1: uh,
0: let me hear what is your guess as to what Batman's utterance of an f bomb is?
1: I think it's more like to me. I don't think bat. Like Batman has to. He's got he's always enraged. Like he's driven by his rage. So I don't it's hard for me to imagine Batman in the heat of the moment getting angry enough to say a fuck. But I think it's more like it's a confusion. Like Batman usually he's he's the one who's planned ahead. He's the one who understands the scenario. So I feel like it's more like if you get him in a situation where suddenly Batman's confused, he's on his heels, he doesn't know what's going on, it's more like what what the fuck? I think it's more like that. Yep. Fucking shit. Like, it's like, it's, a, it's an interrogation fuck. Or well, it could be this. It could
0: be, like, he, he makes a bunch of chicken fingers in the air fryer, and then he, he takes them out, and he drops one, and he's like,
1: fuck. Yeah. It could also just be him propositioning the Flash. We don't know. What a fuck. Yeah. Maybe we don't, we can't know until we see a lot of changes. going to be a lot of changes. But what if.
0: What if you are with, like, okay, Lon, let, let me put you in, into a scenario that I think you would be very comfortable in. You're a single dad, mm-hmm. okay? Sure. You've got...
1: I mean, probably, yes, but I don't follow up on these things. But just hypothetically.
0: Lon Harris, uh, he's out there in those streets. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, or, or, or you're a divorced dad, and you've got custody of your kid, and you put on Tom and Jerry on Monday night, and... Boom. On comes the Snyder cut and you hear and you hear Batman drop an F bomb.
1: I'm the one saying fuck in that scenario. <laughs> fuck! Wanted to see Tom and Jerry.
0: Are you saying fuck or are you
1: saying fuck yeah? No. Snider cut? <laughs> Quite the opposite. Who's this Jason Momoa fuck? And where's Tom and Jerry? That's what I'm saying. Do you think heads
0: rolled? For, for that gap?
1: No, I think, look, I think there's an understanding that these kind of glitches are going to happen. It, it was funny that the the Snyder Cut fans, conspiratorial though they are, they were all like, oh, this was intentional. They're doing this. They want to leak the movie. They want to tank the movie. They fought this for so long. They're trying to rob us of it even now, and, and which makes, it makes absolutely no sense. In fact, I made a joke about it, and there was a guy who even responded to my tweet with like, What's this guy really up to? Why is he making all these jokes? Like I'm part of it. Oh, jeez. I mean, yeah. Like I, I was mean, doing cue maybe... drops on John Justice League. Damn.
0: Are, are you part of the
1: the anti Justice League cabal? No, I'm not part of any anti Snyder Kirkus. I'm looking forward to it like everybody else. Listen, I don't. I don't think it's going to be good. As it, I, I feel like my informed opinion, having seen the previous films in this franchise, having followed this story. Knowing the work of Zack Snyder, I feel like my educated opinion is this is going to suck balls. But, <laughs> listen, I don't know the future. I haven't seen it. I watched Tom and Jerry and everything worked great. And I saw 90 minutes of Tom and Jerry. Maybe it's going to be brilliant. I'll leave that. I'll leave that up. To, we'll, we'll find out in a, a little over a week.
0: One thing's for certain. There's sure going to be a lot of it. It's
1: going to be so much of it. They can't even decide how much of it is going to be all they know is a lot cuz it was like 4 plus hours 4 hours but now they're like oh no there's a 25 minute epilogue that's not part of the 4 hours Oh the, the epilogue is 25 minutes That's what they're saying now it's going to have a seventh part it's going to have it was going to be six parts 4 hours and now they're saying no no Zach's adding a seventh part Every Post credit scene in Marvel's cinematic
0: history does not add up to 25
1: Warner minutes. Brothers has said that, like, Warner Brothers executives have said in interviews, this is just a bunch of narrative dead ends. Like, it's a bunch of setup for movies that Zack Snyder thought they would make in 2017 or 2015, 2016, when he was making this movie, that they didn't end up making. So, it's going to be a bunch of teases for shit you're never going to get to see. For the uh, ZCU. Yeah, for the Snyderverse. Yeah. We're going to enter the Snyderverse. But um, yeah, so it's, it's bizarre. And I mean, I guess my thought on this is that he's thinking put this out, let the Heat build behind the Snyder cut, and then pitch Warner Brothers on making all these other movies still. And maybe they'll go for it. Who knows? TBD. Uh, I got another news story for you. Miami Heat player Myers Leonard, he's going to be away from the team, quote unquote, indefinitely. Uh, That is because he used an anti-Semitic slur during a recent Call of Duty live stream on Twitch. I'm not going to say the word. It's a bad one for Jews that starts with a K. Mm -hmm. Let's go fly a kite, but instead of a T, you would use another letter that does not sound as good.
0: Yeah, if you were a quarterback, you would say it rhymes with hut, hut, hike but in a bad way that
1: you should not say about your Jewish friends.
0: That we're not going to say, even though we're Jews, and we could throw it around like, uh, like, gelt at a Hanukkah party.
1: Yeah, we're allowed, and we're still not, that's how ugly a word this is. Yes, that we're at two Jews, and we're still like, ah, we don't have to say this.
0: So, so here's the thing, Myers Leonard, I, you know, he's a uh, backup uh, center, power forward on the Miami Heat, I'm a big basketball fan, I, you know, I liked Myers Leonard well enough, but I did raise an eyebrow last year during the NBA playoffs when he was the one player outside of every Like, for example, the finals, the Heat made the finals last year. He was the one player on both the Heat and the Lakers who were in the finals and all the coaches, and this is um, people of color, this is black people, white people, et cetera. He was the only player who did not kneel in solidarity uh because they there was a lot of uh black lives matter uh recognition and uh and honoring uh those causes during the national anthem. I'm just saying I noticed that.
1: I'll tell you what I don't trust about him is that his name is backwards. Uh Leonard Myers. Leonard Myers is that's a name. Myers Leonard His first name is a last name and his last name is a first yeah, name. It's like it should like Myers comma Leonard and then like that, yes, in a list, but no, Leonard First name Myers, last name. What are you doing, man? It's not right. No Jew yeah. would ever do that. Well, no, he's well. He's obviously not a Jew. He's clear. No, he's clearly not. He's.
0: Oh no, not Myers. My, I mean, it, it, the first name Meyer, like, like uh,
1: famed gangster Meyer Lansky. Here's the thing. He went on Instagram. I think. Look, this is not a great word, but we Jews we're a forgiving sort, and I think if you were like, look. I, I lost my head. This is a terrible word that I don't say. And I don't know why I said it when I was playing Call of Duty. Like I feel like if you had a, a a very sincere apology, I feel like me and a lot of American Jews would be like, all right, man, listen, don't say it again. But he went on Instagram and he was like, I'm really sorry. I didn't know what that word meant. And it's like, come on. I don't I don't believe who who says words that they don't know what they mean. Yeah, I don't do that. Don't say it if you don't know what it means. That that's that's how you get in
0: trouble. Like you're thumbing through your mental Rolodex of put-downs and like you you pull that. Yeah, card. you pull
1: like, oh well, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds bad. Like, don't do that. You know, like if you want to call somebody a hunk and you call them a bow hunk, it's just bad form. Oh
0: my <laughs> word. Wow. Wow. I mean, I thought that just meant a handsome man. <laughs> I didn't know it was like a working class. It's a call, off. it's a callback, folks. It's a callback. Yes. Uh, I I I like to call a handsome fellow a bow hunk. I, I thought that was just like a, a in shape hunk, but you know, I guess I'm in the Myers Leonard boat.
1: My here. God, just Slavic people just getting infuriated. To to the
0: to all the Slavs out there, I I salute you and everything you've gone through. I will say there's – someone is stepping up in this Myers-Leonard situation, and that's New England Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman. Yes, I saw Uh, this. I saw, yes. um, A a very athletic Jew, a very very handsome athletic Jew. We exist. Yes. (laughs) Um, Julian Edelman. And you know what? He has stepped up several times because this isn't the first time that Jews have, uh, you know – uh, gotten slammed with a little bit of anti-Semitism uh, in the public eye. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, the wide receiver on the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, perpetuated some uh, you know Jews control the media uh, nonsense, which is which is true, but you're not supposed to say it out loud.
1: Nonsense! <laughs> like uh, I can see why you might draw that conclusion.
0: Uh, but um, Julian Edelman is all—he's out here extending olive branches.
1: I, I mean, saw you invited did, uh, him to uh, Shabbos dinner. Sh-
0: yeah. yeah, Shabbos dinner. So um, uh, Myers Leonard Leonard Myers. Uh, first off, as Lon said, fix your goddamn name. Second off, uh, t- um, you know, go have a, a nice piece of challah, uh, some chicken soup with Julian Edelman, and uh, you know, get your shit right dog and uh s- stop um stop being spicy with anti-semitism yeah. on the twitch stream next time
1: you want to yell at somebody at call of duty just call them boy chick that's that the jews will appreciate or, or a schmuck yeah right there you go yeah that's, what a class we got a lot of great yiddish put downs if you only take the time to learn or just a, a simple gay
0: <laughs> it means go to bed yeah. it's very dismissive listen i beat you
1: you done gay mm-hmm. yeah i like it thanks One more, one more news story before we wrap up our news for today. Peacock. You remember Peacock. They ordered a first season for a show. It's called Dan Brown's Langdon. What a mouthful. It is. Dan Brown is the author, of course, of the Da Vinci Code series. Robert Langdon is the character Tom Hanks plays in the Da Vinci Code and its sequels. So it's it's that character. We're going to make a TV show about that character, the Harvard symbologist, Robert Langdon, he's going to have to solve another, uh, you know, spooky Vatican mystery to save his mentor (laughs) in the new show. When you
0: just said spooky Vatican mystery, I pictured uh, the mystery machine rolling up outside the Vatican. The the
1: little scene spinoff of Scooby-Doo where they just investigate deep Catholicism. Yeah. (laughs) That
0: that would be, that's the show we want to see.
1: Like, wow, do you think that's the spirit of Satan?
0: Like, they, they pull the mask off the dude, and it's,
1: it's the Pope! Yeah, Cardinal Richelieu! Yep. How many fucking podcasts are you guys gonna get Cardinal Richelieu references? You sons of bitches, leave us five
0: stars. Yes, Lon coming through with those deep Catholicism references. You
1: think Three Musketeers references just fall out of the fucking sky? <laughs> he's the bad guy that's the bad guy from three musketeers
0: oh gotcha gotcha so this is not tom hanks they're gonna get a um someone to play
1: no it's uh we know the we know the name of the actor i can find it for you oh yeah is it someone we know it is it is not someone i know but who knows maybe you know more people than i do i don't want to judge it's a guy named it's a man his name is ashley zuckerman mark zuckerberg mark zuckerberg will be starring i didn't even know he acted Wow, he's finally going to get a different haircut. He's had that same haircut since he got oh, yeah, that, well known. That weird
0: little that weird Caesar, that, that weird, weird Caesar Caesars. thing.
1: Now he's going to have to grow it out long, like Tom Hanks in the in the Robert Lang.
0: Yeah, a little bit of a mullet. You
1: can't look for upside down apples in old paintings unless you got like long hippie hair. Those are the rules.
0: So this is like you know we've seen. To Big Bang Theory, there was Young Sheldon. And then to uh, Da Vinci Code, there's this is Young Langdon. Well,
1: I don't, I don't know. It, it, he does look, the guy who's playing Langdon in this is a little younger than Tom Hanks. But this book, it's based on the book The Lost Symbol, which is actually a follow-up to Da Vinci Code. So in the career of Robert Langdon, I don't know where we're coming down. I don't know if this is young, ascendant Harvard symbologist Robert Langdon or if this is mid-career, already established. Harvard symbologist Robert Langdon. I'd like to add, I thought a person who studied symbols was a semiotician, not a symbologist. But I guess Dan Brown would know.
0: I'll tell you one thing. Myers Leonard is an (laughs) (laughs) anti-semiotician.
1: Nailed it. Let's move on. We're not going to top that.
0: Uh, before we uh, talk about shows, I, I, I like that T-shirt. I want you to uh, r- uh, read what it says. Uh, I'm everybody. wearing my
1: Nominate Delroy Lindo, You Coward shirt. Super Yaki is the uh, the producer of this shirt. You can go on their website. They do – I don't know if it's still available because they're one of those companies they do like timed where you got to get the shirt within like the few-day window that it's on sale. Uh, so I don't know if this one's still available, but you could check it out. Super yaki, yaki, yaki. I don't know, one of them. Like yak with an eye on the end.
0: Oh, there you go, super yaki, and th- yeah, that's a, that's a cool looking shirt. And Delroy Lindo did some real good work into Five Bloods*. So. Every
1: every stream I have worn this on all week, somebody is like, "Yeah, well, I won't." And they like, who knows if they will? He was. I thought best performance in anything I saw.
0: He was damn good. Coming up, we'll talk about what we watched, including the return of Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, and the gang in Coming to America. Ridging the fuck out of shit. Lon, last week, Coming to America, the number two, debuted on Amazon Prime. And. You know what, I just want to... Th- I, I, first off, I just want to say this right out of the box. I want to thank everyone who really disliked this movie and whose thoughts I heard before I watched it because it set my expectations so miserably low that I I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed this
1: movie. Yeah, I, I thought... It- the internet's reaction was so strong. Like it wasn't that I thought they were wrong. Like a lot of the critiques that people were bringing up, I like agree with on a intellectual level. But I did not hate the experience of watching this at all and there were certainly a lot of parts that I found kind of delightful and like it was it was a it was an enjoyable experience even though I got to the end and I was like, "Okay, it's it's not a fantastic movie. It's only okay."
0: Yeah. The first coming to America is, you know, if it's not on the Mount Rushmore of of comedy, like it's just like it's probably a top 10 all time comedy. I mean,
1: I think what's so great about it, and and I recently rewatched it because we did the Honest Trailer because the new one was coming out. Um, Going back, Eddie Murphy was already very well established by this point, but he'd only played all of the movies before that were the Eddie Murphy persona. The coolest guy in the room, the badass guy, the class clown, the guy who like the movie's happening and he's standing next with you next to the movie. Like, can you believe this movie is happening like Beverly Hills Cop? It's that vibe. And this was the first time where he doesn't stand sort of next to the movie and make jokes and and wisecrack. He's. A character, he's really in the world of the movie. It's acting, and he's playing not just different, he's playing against type. Like, Akeem, Prince Akeem is not like any other Eddie Murphy character. A sweet naive. He's just—he's—he's he's, he's the fish out of water. He's the one who's the naive, sweet, innocent, and everybody else is kind of making the jokes. And it's so nice, and he does do a good job of getting back into that role in this movie, and I thought it's, it's also, and it's the same thing uh, Craig Brewer, who directed this, also did Dolomite Is My Name with Eddie Murphy. And they, they're so generous. Eddie Murphy's so generous. He will step back and let other people have the scene. He's so confident at this point. I'm Eddie Murphy. I don't need to prove what I can do. I'm going to let Wesley Snipes chew the scenery in this scene and let him own it. And I'm going to let James Earl Jones have his moment. And I'm going to let Jermaine Fowler have his moment well, and Kiki Lane have her let, moment.
0: you got to let James Earl Jones have his moment.
1: But I'm just saying, like—, like
0: I mean, that's like, I, I mean, I think that's a law.
1: I really appreciated that from Eddie Murphy on this, that it did not feel like it's a star vehicle for me. It felt like he was so excited to get this all this huge cast together that he wanted to give everybody their time to shine. And that's really yeah, nice. Yeah, that,
0: that's a— you know, uh, th- th- I think that's a really apt point. It's uh, he's he's there, but he didn't have to dominate. Yeah,
1: it's like we want we want Tracy Morgan to get a a few moments, and we want Leslie Jones to get a moment or two. And I think that could have been a, a place where this went really wrong. Is that it becomes the Eddie and Arsenio show again, and you kind of sideline everybody else, right?
0: I, before we. go too far past it, I just want to double down on what you were saying about Wesley Snipes and with uh, these past two movies, Dolomite and Coming to America, like, late career Wesley Snipes is fucking fun. Like, he is doing some really good work and just owns the hell out of it. And Wesley Snipes in these broad comedies is freaking great. I don't know how much he's going to return to action or that type of stuff because, I mean, Wesley Snipes absolutely you know, did comedies, uh, White Men Can't Jump.
1: Yeah, he's always been, he's been funny.
0: But I thought of him more as an action star pre, I guess, you know, sorry to break up his career like this, but pre-going to prison and then post-prison. But, man, I am enjoying me some Wesley Snipes. (laughs) It seems like he's kind of just like, you know, out of fucks to give. And It's uh, super good times.
1: Yeah, uh, totally agree. I mean, you know, look, look, I think the movie has problems. It's, it's, I think it's, it's mainly that it's too callback friendly. Like, it feels like every joke from the movie, the original movie gets like a follow up or like a, you remember that joke. And it's like, you need to do a little bit of that, but they do way too much of it to the point where you're just like, I get it. There were a couple of times where I was like,
0: ooh, I like seeing that again. And then this is what hamstrung the movie a little bit. There were a couple of times when I'm like, oh, wait, was that a thing from the first movie? Like when, Because I hadn't seen it as recently as you had, and I had forgot that he asked his uh, bride-to-be to bark like a dog. And then they brought her in, and then she started doing the dog barking. I'm like, wait. And it wasn't until later in the movie when they brought that joke back again, spoiler alert, that I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. So it was a little too much of that. But also, you want to scratch that itch. You You're want a, a little bit. You're...
1: It's a balance, of course. But, like, I don't know. I feel like with a movie like this, it is important to make it feel like we're not just – it's not just a reunion special. It's not just a clip show. It's a new movie. So you do want to revisit what made the first one special, but you do also want to give the new one its own voice. And they that what's frustrating is they did do some of that, like Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan and Jermaine Fowler and bringing in that family. That's the way to bring a new voice and a new spirit to the movie. And they did that. But then they sidelined it so that they could be like, hey, you remember McDowell's? Hey, you remember this scene? Hey, you remember but hey, you know, they they wash your your privates in some and it's like, okay, like you got to do some of that. But I don't think I need yeah. I, every joke
0: revisited. That's a great point, but I I really enjoyed Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan. I mean, here's the thing. The, a lot of their jokes, a lot of their stuff was low-hanging fruit. It was kind of like lowest common denominator, like, you know, dick jokes. But gosh, darn it, if I wasn't enjoying most of them. <laughs> Especially like Leslie, like Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan, they know how to deliver. They know how to deliver uh, the, the great timing, and uh, was, I, I found so much of it really funny, even if it was kind of uh, low hanging fruit. And then some of it, though, more or less repeated the plot of the first movie in the same way that Force Awakens was like a New Hope. This was like the first. Movie, and I didn't hate that, but I do think, uh, like i I've seen some commenters out there, and I kind of uh, agree with this. Why did they have to find the son when he had three daughters, and it could have been like an empowering, like cool story about this woman taking over as well, queen that, that of someone.
1: I mean, I don't think it's fair to hit the one that that is. That's that's the story. The story is he thinks he's got to do this, but then in the end he realized ah, I don't really have to do this. So I don't. I don't know if that's a knock. I, I look. I think that I think that the the idea that rather than just redo the first movie with the same characters, let's write in a new Queen's family. We'll have a new American cast to bring some fresh blood in. And like I get that. I get why you'd want to do that. I don't think that's misguided. I do think they should have given Jermaine Fowler a little bit more like it feels like his character is just like straight man. He goes to Zamunda to be our way in. Um, But I I don't know. I don't, I don't have a problem with it conceptually. I just think that they, they, they were too tied to every scene has got a call back to something you remember from the first movie. And like, it should have just had the, just be bold enough to be like, we're going to do a new thing. It'll remind you of the first movie, but it's going to have its own persona.
0: Yeah, So, Coming to America, don't believe all of the hype that is uh, panning this movie. It's a good time. Set your expectations low, and then you will fly high with Coming to America (laughs) on Amazon Prime.
1: What we're saying is get really high.
0: Yes, that would help. Coming up, Lon and I are going to jump into a little true crime with Murder Among the Mormons on Netflix. In the park, out of shit. Lon, let's go to a little place called Utah and explore m- murder among the Mormons. You ever been to Utah, Lon? I
1: have. Uh, I've been to Park City for Sundance a few times, but one time I went and I got there like a full day early, uh, and I, I couldn't check into our Park City hotel until like late afternoon. So I had to spend a whole day, like a 10-hour day by myself in Salt Lake City. Um, It was really boring. There's not a lot to do.
0: Great story. So, murder among the Mormons. Uh, I mean, I I, I learned a lot about the Mormon church. I learned about its uh, tenuous history that could be undone by a single
1: document. I got to tell you, I found this... uh, I found this really endearing about the Mormons. Like it's not like I disliked Mormons before this. But uh the 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 fact that there are these like Mormon history nerds uh and that they're like obsessed with like cuz that's the if you're a Mormon, like the cool thing about your religion is it started not that long ago. Like you could look stuff up about it and it was like Five or six generations ago, people were like, "Hey, maybe let's become Mormons." Um, so I, I really, la- I, I was, I was very taken with the the weird, nerdy historian Mormon subculture that we get to explore in this movie or in this series. Yeah, the kind of,
0: yeah, the the the, the cottage industries and the uh, and the the fandom, for lack of a right, better. Right, it is. Are, That's are... exactly
1: what it's like. The, these guys like geek out over Mormon history and these early Mormon documents, and it's. The the show itself does not go to a very upbeat, happy place. It's very dark, but I nonetheless, I'm nonetheless found their community that that it concerns mostly very charming.
0: I can see that there is something absolutely uh, in, endearing. Yeah,
1: like folksy, about that. like where you're just like, this is just so sweet. These people are just, they're like. They can't even imagine some of the things that were going to happen to them. They just really like, you know, Mormonism and documents and being historians and doing these, solving these like little puzzles. And it, it, I I, thought it was really, I don't mean to sound condescending, but I thought it was really like, it was like, a, I don't know, it was nice. Yeah, it,
0: it's, it, it, I mean, it's, you know, th- there are worse things to. <laughs> Uh, to be into, and it's like, hey, whatever gets you through well, the dark there and lonely are, there's night. There's like
1: the Mormon Church, which is like they're looking to obtain documents that might like make people question the faith. So like, there's there, and obviously, this is about a very sinister, particular individual who is behind some some the murders, uh, but. Uh, other than that, there's also most of the people who are doing this. They they just like collecting these old documents and going through bookstores looking for clues to little historical mysteries and you know yes, like as, stories as about cutesy, early Mormons.
0: As, as cutesy as uh, Lon is uh, making this sound, it is uh, a very uh, some very sinister and uh, off putting. Some murder most foul does go down. And the one thing I'll say about this, I'll compare this to something another true crime. Uh, episodic Netflix show that we watched uh, Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel that I feel like we both came down there wasn't enough there there this I feel like there's there there like this is like, like, they, like they drop one like, like kind of bombshell and interesting turn after another in this Series and I watched all three episodes in just like you know one one sweet binge. Yeah, it's it's really binge boys. It's very
1: compelling and watchable. It's three episodes and it blazes through and it 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 unfolds in a really thoughtful way where you get this whole first episode that really does just let you know about the community the backstory, what these documents are, who these guys are who are looking for them, the main players that you need to know to figure out what's going on. And then episode two is the violence and the crime and what happened. And then episode three is just here's us piecing together what actually happened. And it really, it unfolds like a, like a mystery story, like a detective story. Uh, it is very n- narratively satisfying and, and surprising. Like I, I, I don't think we should give away what happened I had no idea where this was going to go.
0: Yeah, it absolutely heightens upon itself, and the one of the the main characters of this story, Mark Hoffman, fascinating character, and what he kind of goes through here. It's uh, the the one thing if if there was to be a, a criticism of the show, it so we find that he might have some issues and might have reason. Uh, from his past to take issue with the Mormon church. And um, that uh, might might have influenced his actions. I think we could have learned a little bit more about that stuff. His history was just kind of a broad, like, oh, he, it turns out he had some issues with it. But uh, a little bit more of a psychological, because as we learn more about this guy, it becomes... It's fascinating. I mean, the, just the way this guy's mind works and the intricacies, I don't want to give away too much, but he's a fascinating character. I think we could have learned just a little bit more about where he came from and what shaped him. But it's an absolute page-turner-of-a-watch to mix mediums there. So uh, really worth checking out, Murder Among the Mormons. It's And it's a breeze. It's three episodes, and uh, you know what? Give it a watch, and uh, it'll be over. And uh, you'll you'll get to bed at a reasonable hour, and uh, wake up, and you know, be able to uh, make breakfast.
1: Yeah, I uh, I, I I loved. I breezed right through it. It kind of reminded me of Wild Wild Country. Remember that one? That's about. I'm not comparing that group to the Mormons. I'm just saying, in the way that it really took you inside this community where all of this like really crazy dark stuff happened, but but made it feel like a complete portrait. You get you get a full picture of what was going on.
0: Murder Among the Mormons, you can check it out on Netflix. And now let's uh, talk about, there's a new action movie that debuted on Hulu recently, Boss Level, uh, starring Frank Grillo,
1: Naomi Watts, and uh, Mad Mel, Mad Mel Gibson. I warned you. I said, hey, Hal, I want to check out this movie. It's called Boss Level. You should know Mel Gibson, is it? And I let you make the decision about whether you wanted to watch.
0: I was, I had a, a morbid curiosity and you know, here's the thing. If you're maybe tone down the Hitler references, if you're going to have Mel Gibson in a movie, you know, there, there there are at least two and I think three separate Hitler references in this movie. And it's like, you know, uh, yeah, but, I mean, old Mel, uh, Mel, I would call him the Myers-Leonard of acting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I, uh, look, before I go into this movie, I would like to say this was this was co-written and directed by Joe Carnahan, a guy I think has made two, not one, but two really terrific movies. He did NARC with uh, Jason Patrick, Ray Liotta, it's a great cop drama thriller uh, and then he also did The Gray with also Frank Grillo, Liam Neeson's in that one. Uh, a really terrific adventure oh, yeah, survival. Liam Neeson puts
0: those little bottles on his hands so he can so he could have a fist fight with a wolf. Yes,
1: it's a, it's the wolf fight movie. I love both of those movies. And so he's made some other stuff I don't love, like Smoking Aces and the A Team, and and he, he, it's 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 not a perfect career stretch. Was one I like of his. Joe Carnahan? And you know what
0: I there were things I really liked about this movie. And then there were things that I didn't.
1: I was not that into this movie. I, I, uh, you know, like Frank Grillo can play this kind of part with his eyes closed. it's very believable as an action star. And it is a, there is a cleverness to the premise. It, it's We've seen a lot of time loop stuff lately. Uh, and this is a, a yet another one where it's like a guy stuck in a time loop and he gets a little better every time. And uh, I, I feel like it's a better premise than it is. They don't know what to do with their premise. It ends up being a lot of the same kind of stuff. A lot of the similar beats over and over again. I think it gets pretty dull. And I wish we could have gotten different people. Like the John Wick team with this premise could have been great. Oh,
0: yeah. I thought the action was oftentimes rather kick-ass. I thought that the... the the scenario made for something that was like, we kind of knew what was coming, but it was fun and wry and jokey and, uh, and well-crafted action sequences one after another. I think you could like, if so the, the action I'm like giving high marks. Now, Naomi Watts was a scientist working on what I would, I would kind of describe as gobbledygoop. <laughs> Like the Hadron Collider meets a time machine meets uh, like Cold Fusion, like a whole lot of bullshit that I don't get. I don't understand like what Mel Gibson's company is. There's a lot like the plot is really like b- junk And you get it. It's kind of like there as place fillers. But they didn't elaborate on these placeholders in a way that would allow you to connect on this movie in anything but I'm enjoying the punching. And for the – I'm enjoying the explosions and punching. Yeah, Dems was good. But the – oh, also the – the tugging at your heartstrings, BS. Like Frank Br- Frank Grillo has this kid that he's pl- that all of a sudden he's trying to craft a relationship with. All of that stuff really fails, but the action all- kind of makes this movie worth watching.
1: Yeah, it just it feels it feels very obviously like. Here's a premise where you could make a movie that's basically a video game. And that's all they want. It's called boss level. The idea is just it's a it's an action movie. But every time he dies, he could just restart the level instead of dying for good. And that's it. Everything else exists just to create that scenario. And like, that's fine. I don't I don't feel like you need to give us a ton of explanations. That would have probably been boring. I think you probably could have come up with something better than they did. I mean, it does not make sense. Ha- no, like it doesn't really make sense, but I, I don't know. To me, it was just, it's it's not clever enough. Like, it's the minimum amount of cleverness you'd need to do this. And if I'm going to do this kind of a movie, I want the maximum amount of cleverness you can squeeze into it. Like, I just want something
0: that ticks the box where I'm like, oh, uh, it's a time loop machine or something it really doesn't make sense. Uh but I will uh, I want to give a shout out to uh Mad TV <laughs> alumnus Will Sasso. I really thought his uh what w- he had a scene where um he um, gets uh mortally wounded at one point and uh you know that's not a huge thing cuz we're repeating days over and over. That's not a big spoiler. Every time Frank but, Rillo
1: dies, it just starts over. So people get murdered all the time and then come back. Nobody dies but for the Will whole movie.
0: Sasso um, has has a death here that uh, I thought it was very funny. I, I I thought that the the way he owned that and it, his delivery it, there it's, was really it's great. It's one of
1: those good pieces of casting where you see him and you recognize him immediately, but it's just so against type that you don't even realize how you know him. Like I was I was a third of the way through the movie before I was like, "Oh, that's Will Sasso. That's how I know him." Like because it's just you don't expect to see him in in he's like a henchman.
0: Yeah, he's a comedy dude for sure. Uh, outside of that
1: but believably tough. Like, he's a big guy. Like, I believe he could, he could crush you if he wanted to. Yeah. I mean, I know that it's older than you'd think. It's got to be something like mid-late 40s, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> love the callback He does He does As long as we're talking About Netflix shows He does a Netflix series Called Fight World Have you seen this? No I haven't seen Fight World It's fantastic He just goes Every time Every episode He goes to a different country And he Hangs out with fighters And learns their Local fighting style And just like Spars And just gets his ass kicked Like he does Like there's a Muay Thai episode And it's uh, It's really fun Damn
0: so yeah, Frank Grillo, boss level. There's some real dumb fun action. Uh, there's a guest appearance by Rob Gronkowski.
1: Gronk yeah, is in Gronk this. Gronk does show up in this. Yep, Another one where I was like, "Is that? Is that? Is that Gronk?" And then sure enough, I oh, and I
0: wouldn't have known because we don't really get any close-ups of him.
1: No. Yeah, it's not a. It's it's like a blink and you'll miss it situation.
0: There's some. Uh, Cool little cameos in this. Worth uh, checking out if you just want some mindless action to have on in the background. And Boss Level is on Hulu. Lon, uh, we have uh, one quick uh, guest who wanted to come in. And, you know, we're all, I I, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say, we miss going to the movies. Some of you might be going to the theaters still. uh, That is between you and um, your immune system. But uh, I haven't gone to the movies, and this uh, next guest wants to tell us how we can improve the home viewing experience by pairing whatever we're watching with the right snack. And I'd like to introduce him. He goes simply by Grandpa Lewis. Oh, uh, so welcome, nice Grandpa Lewis. How nice! Hello there, young man. Hello, it's nice to be here. I'm Grandpa Lewis, and uh, oh, the cinema, the movie palace, the. What? Well, what else do you call it? The light-up rectangle room.
1: That's what I call
0: it. Uh, today, that's only in your home. It's not at the big building. Do you remember we used to go to buildings to see a, a movie?
1: Vaguely. <laughs>
0: yes. I miss it. I'm, and you know what I miss? The snack bar. Ooh, how about it? Elon when you sidle up to the snack bar, what do you what do you come away
1: with? I mean, I listen. I think it's hard to go wrong with popcorn. Popcorn's a classic. I, I recently was on Dan Merle's show, and I made the case for a movie theater nachos, which I also think are a delicious oh, yeah. treat. Oh a, a, a drippy, a drippy, gooey
0: cheese. Do you like a nice drippy cheese? Who doesn't like a into gooey into cheese?
1: Che- gooey is one of the top modes for cheese. Does it get into that beard, Lon? Of course, of course, it's impossible to eat nachos with a with a full beard. You got to. You're going to have to do a little beard maintenance afterwards. People with beards. You this you just find a part jalapeno?
0: Of the... Do you ever find a jalapeno in that beard the next
1: day? No, that this is why it's important to take care of your business quickly. You don't want to leave nachos in your beard for an extended period of
0: time. uh I've been I've been going to the movie theater for decades. You know that, Lon, and. I remember the good old days when a day would start off and mother would spoon feed me some applesauce mm. while I wore a little bib. And mm. then she'd dro- drop me off at the Orpheum for a double feature. And she'd disappear, and I'd end up having to hitchhike home. To- I'd find her passed out in her bra smelling like whiskey and hashish,
1: but that's a a tale for another time. A a better time at the theaters because they did not yet allow women or Jews in. So you could relax. Men could could be men. True story.
0: America was a very unforgiving place for some folks. Now, I'm here, though. I will tell you whatever snack is best to pair with whatever you're watching. So, Lon, let me name a program. And I'll tell you, what would be the best snack to pair with that program?
1: Well, what if you were watching the romantic period Netflix hit Bridgerton? What What do you think would be the right snack to go with that?
0: Yes, so Bridgerton, that is a story of randy youth getting together, pairing up, shipping, shipping, and some little bit of palace intrigue. So I think... As they are peeling away to the bedroom, you're going to want to enjoy some peel-and-eat Twizzlers. These are the Twizzlers that come in strands where you peel them away. So if you're going to watch Bridgerton, if you're going to... Binge it, if you will, you little binge boy, Lon. If I was in the same room with you, I would pinch your cheek right now. You'd peel, peel and eat Twizzlers. Throw another okay. one at
1: me. Uh, well, what about, uh, let's go with a classic. Uh, we'll go with Netflix's Tiger King, one of the big hits of quarantine from, from last March. What about the docuseries Tiger
0: Oh, King? sure. If you're going to sit down and binge a little Tiger King and watch... Oh, the the Tiger King himself, Joe Exotic, throw some meat into the tigers. You're going to want to throw something in your little mouth, and you're going to want to make it a Twizzler's nib. Twizzler's nibs. They're
1: little bites of Twizzlers, a real nice. Right. uh, Another. It's another. Yeah. So to both. I picked. Two very different selections, and they both resulted in Twizzlers.
0: So I'm a little oh, don't get don't get it twisted like a Twizzler lawn. <laughs> Twizzlers nibs and Twizzlers peel away are very different candies. And if you and if you challenge me on that, I'll find
1: you. I'm gonna go a totally different direction, so we get something else. Uh, Paramount Plus launched last week. One of the big early attractions: the third SpongeBob movie. Uh, The SpongeBob SquarePants Sponge on the Run is the title. So this is family animated comedy uh, about SpongeBob looking for his pet snail, Gary. What do you think everybody should be enjoying while they watch Sponge on the Run?
0: Well, I wouldn't recommend Twizzler's peelaways or Twizzler's nibs, okay? Let's move on from that. Let's move on. SpongeBob, it's a robust big movie. A big movie? Uh, the third in the franchise, third times the charm. Maybe you'll have the whole family together. So you're gonna wanna get the big bag. Twizzler's big bag. All right, all right, strawberry Twist. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you
1: right there. Yes. Are all of your recommendations just candies in the Twizzlers family of products? Are you, are you being paid to come on our show and promote Twizzlers? Did you know there's a strawberry smoothie flavor of Twizzler? And an orange cream pop flavor? I think I figured out what's happening. I, Hal is obviously not screening. You're, you're a paid representative of the Twizzler company. Go to Hershey's.com. Right. There's a Powell, page Powell, fully get rid of devoted him. Get, to Get Twizzlers. him out of the studio. Get him out of the studio. I've had enough.
0: I cut him off. Yeah,
1: that's... We can't... Listen, if you want... I would love some money from the Twizzler concern if they would like to promote Twizzlers on Binge Boys. But we have received not a dime from the
0: Twizzler brands. Juan, he, he, he skedaddled out of here when I sh- shut off his mic and he left his pa- piece of paper here. It's just... You know how... In The Shining, it says uh, all work and no play makes Jack adult or whatever. Uh, it just says Twizzlers a cr- written.
1: Seems like, weird that he would need to have times. that as a note. But uh, I think what we, here's what we're going to do. We're going to contact the Twizzler Corporation and just let them know that this does not fly. These kinds of tactics, it, I, I, I'm not. I'm not cool with it. We, we, we'd be happy to discuss a. We'd be happy to discuss product
0: placement. You know what? I'm on the website. Did you know that there were. Extra long Twizzlers. Hang on,
1: what's what's going on? Are you being paid by the Twizzler company?
0: I mean, G- Grandpa Lewis, he <laughs> his repetition worked. He laid a little, he he planted a little egg in my brain.
1: I don't think when Anson Twizzler started this company in 1814, his goal was to have these kinds of deceptive advertising practices. I feel like that's against everything the Twizzler family has long stood for. And you
0: and I, when we forged a pact in fire and blood that we were going to do this show, we said we weren't going to have
1: those kind of shills. We forged a pact in fire? How do we do that? And blood. Well, blood, I get how you could forge a pact in blood. It's like a piece of parchment. We sliced our palms open and pressed our, you know, that, that makes sense. But how did we, I don't remember, I guess I blacked this out. Oh, I, I sent you a
0: missive that had one of those melty stamps on it that they use in olden
1: times. I was wondering why you had second and third degree burns over so much of your body. Now it makes more sense, David. I wanted to be very official. A pact, we signed a pact with fire. I hurt myself very... Very badly. <laughs> I was trying to explain how you can't sign something with fire. And you were like, I'm going to give this a whirl. I
0: thought I was Melisandra, the red woman, and uh, I failed miserably. But when we when we made when we decided to do this show, we said we weren't going to allow shills unless you were you and I were paid anything at all. And we were not.
1: Right. And that, that is the kind of agreement. You can't just shake on it. You need to sign it with yes. fire.
0: Lon, hoot, hoot, I want to thank Owl Nation for roosting in this episode and uh, all the little owls and owlets and the hooligans that have been listening today. And I want to thank the folks at Starburns. I want to thank our producer, Adam Macias. Uh, Thank you, Adam, for holding it down. And Jason K. for giving us the sweet licks at the top of the show. Lon, please tell people where they can find more of you.
1: Well, they can always go to Twitter at L-O-N-S is where to find me on there. You can also follow all of my uh, coverage of everything going on in the world of streaming by subscribing to the Inside Streaming newsletter. That's at inside.com slash streaming.
0: Thank you, Lon. And you can find me at Hal Rudnick, H-A-L-R-U-D-N-I-C-K on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm talking shit and having a good time. Come have a good time with me. Shall we? Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. And if you're feeling it, go to iTunes and give us a nice, a juicy five stars.
1: Wow. <laughs> Italian people are just infuriated right now. I am one-eighth Italian. We're the Myers Leonard of Italian podcasting.
0: No. Bye-bye. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch Boy) boys. How are they? Bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch in the fuck out of shit